My name is Sean, Sean Smith, no H at the end, Smith. but I'm the English man from Bloemfontein. Co uh, the contradiction of all contradictions. This morning I uh, felt to share on, um, I think it is in line with what Ruan shared last Sunday, but uh, just describe a bit the, the covenant um, a, well, a covenant, and then how we, as Christians today, look at this covenant and how it washes us daily so that we can uh, continue to live the life that God has called us to. So, Father, I just, uh, I know that you, I had a sense that you spoke to me, Lord, but I know that you spoke to me now, God. Father, I pray for the grace, Lord, to convey the message uh, that you want to share with us this morning, Lord. And uh, Father, I know that you are ministering to hearts this morning, Lord, and I just want to pray for each one, Lord, that open their, their minds and their hearts and their spirits, Lord, to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying, in Jesus' name. If you could put up uh, Genesis 15, we can start from uh, verse 8. And uh, in Genesis 15, God is uh, promising things to Abraham, or at this stage it was Abram. Um, he's promising things to him, and uh, in verse 6 before this, it says that Abram believed the Lord, and God credited to him as righteousness. And uh, God continues to say some things about himself, and in verse 8, um, Abram, Abram questions, he says, but Lord... How am I to know that I shall possess it? So he's promised him uh, an inheritance, land, and so on. He said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old. I believe that's some kind of livestock, young animal. Uh, a female goat, three years old. A ram, three years old. A turtle dove and a young pigeon. So this obviously has no, for us today, a young cow. Has no meaning to us, you know, this, this type of bringing these animals. If I were to bring them here and place them before you, you would be rather confused. And some of you might leave. And then uh, verse 10, it says, And he brought him all these, and he cut them in half. Um, also quite different. And laid each half over against the other. So opposite one another. So half this side and half that side of the animal. Um, but he did not cut the birds in half. So there's significance in that. Um, but I, I don't want to go into the meanings of the animals and so on. I, I just want to go into, this is actually God making a covenant with Abram. Um, and verse 11 says, And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So we're going to finish there. But so we've set the scene. There are a couple of animals. They've been cut in half. The birds weren't cut in half. Um, and they're placed on the ground. And what, how this worked in the past, how covenant was made, it, it literally in this, um, it says that God, if you were to directly translate, God cuts the covenant with Abram. Um, so, so this is how covenants were made um, in the past. So most of us are familiar these days with a contract. Um, I'm pretty sure most of us here have signed a contract. Uh, whether we've gone through all the T's and C's, um, I don't know. Uh, 
but I work with policy wordings and policy schedules every day, you know, and like a, a Suntum policy schedule for a commercial, you know, business, 60 odd pages of policy wording, um, you know, 15 different sections with, you know, it's just, it's, it's intricate. There's a lot of detail. And um, this seems to be a bit easier for me. Uh, so, this would be a, an olden day contract, essentially. I think a covenant is, is more serious in the sense, and I think this is why, because um, if there were two parties that came to an agreement, they would, at this stage, both walk uh, in a figure eight through these pieces. Um, the figure eight symbolized something that cannot be broken. There's no beginning, there's no end. And uh, they would then recite the terms of the contract to one another while walking through the, the pieces. And they would then turn to, when they get to the middle, they would say to one another, okay, if one of us breaks the contract, we do to one another as we've done to these animals, which basically means you will die. So a lot of us, you know, if, if you break contract, you, you might financially suffer or lose something. Um, in this case, if you broke the covenant or the contract, it would be the end of your life. So I think, I think the picture that God is trying to convey is that it was really serious. Like if you made a covenant, if you cut the covenant in that sense, um, there was a massive onus on yourself or the parties to the agreement to keep to the terms. From verse 13 to 16, God then again promises, um, he, he promises that there will be a physical lineage that he will create through Abram, and that will then eventually be the Israelites, and they will be enslaved for 400 years in Egypt, and all these things. And I want to get to verse 17, um, if you could throw that up. So, obviously, so the, the covenant's prepared, they you know, Abram's now waiting for God to appear so that they can walk, you know, the covenant. And um, God has done a covenant. Uh, Abram knows that God has, and has done in the past and appeared to him physically or represented in some way physically. So God is wait uh, Abram is waiting for God to appear to, you know, seal the covenant. And then it says, I assume he'd waited for a long time because by now the sun had gone down and it was dark. And behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And by this time, Abram, in verse 12, obviously, Abram had fallen into the, the deep sleep. So at this stage, Abram was asleep. And then in verse 17, we're not going to go further than that. It says, so obviously, then this fire pot and flaming torch um, passes between the pieces. So Abram essentially does not, he's passed out on the side here, and uh, this flaming pot, and the smoking fire pot, and a flaming torch passes between the pieces, and what do you think that means? Yeah, who walked the covenant? Who, who, who did the agreement? It was, so God said, I'm going to, I promise to fulfill your part and my part. I think that's just a beautiful picture. And there are things that are uh, relevant to us in that covenant. 
Um, but I don't want to go into those details. I want to go into the details of the new covenant. Um, but I just wanted to give the, the, the framework and the reference of um, this is how serious the covenant was to God. And since the beginning, God has demonstrated and shown that when He makes a covenant, especially in terms of our salvation or things that He promises to us, He takes it upon Himself to be responsible for our part. So let me explain a bit more what that is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, verse 17 to 21, I'll, I'll read it and I'm going to highlight three, as we go through it, I'll highlight three points um, of reconciliation. And I know there are, there are more relevant scriptures in the sense of, you know, Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 34, actually say, to say like, this is the new covenant that I'll have for you. And uh, the Hebrews writer also explains it quite plainly what that is in Hebrews 8. But I, wanna, I felt specifically to highlight these parts of uh, reconciliation for us this morning, um, which are also part of what God has covenanted with us um, through the cross. So it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So there again we see the picture where God reconciles us to himself. He's the one, we, we believed what he said. We believed the promise that he made. We believed the covenant or the contract that he has put before us and he reconciles us to himself. That is, in Christ God was reconciling to the world to himself, and here's the first point, not counting their trespasses against them. Um, it's completely radical that God decides not to count your sins against you. In every other religion, you've got to do, your, your good deeds have to match up to your bad. Um, over here, the balance is made by God providing you a credit by God forgiving you, by God not counting your trespasses against you. And this is essentially what caused the separation between man and God, between people and God, is the fact that we could not relate with a holy being because of the sinful nature uh, that we had been born into. And God decides to create this new covenant, this new contract with people, that He will not count your trespasses, your sins against you. And we go to the next verse. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, and here's the second one, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That is, Jesus, God's plan was to make Jesus the one to carry our sin. He was the lamb that was going to be sent out into the wilderness to be punished for the sins that we deserve punishment for. And it's so, I mean, it's we're the ones who've sinned against Him, but He has decided um, to take our sin upon Him and to forgive us. And this is all, this is all covenanted. This is all, in a, you know, we don't essentially, we, no one signed a contract here to say that I'm saved. Nobody has walked the, 
not that I know of, has walked between the two pieces and recited the terms, you know, when God appeared physically to you. We have believed a message that God has sent to us through one another and especially through the Word of God. And God has spoken to each and every one of us. And we have come to believe uh, the contract, the covenant that God has made. And, um, and we, we need to know the terms of the contract so that we can remind ourselves of that contract and of that co covenant that, that God has made with Himself on behalf of us. And then lastly, uh, it says, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So we were born with a sinful nature. We could not relate with, the holy, with our holy God but God came, He takes your sinful nature, He gives you a holy nature, He makes you a new creation, born again, not of flesh, born of spirit, so that we can become the righteousness of God, so that there's no longer, no, there's no division between God and man by sin. We have been made holy. Do you believe that? I mean, it says it in the Bible. And it's that, yeah, yeah, it's black and white. You know, this is a, a contract, a covenant that you can fall back on. Uh, we had a dispute with our previous landlord. And, um, and so I go to a lawyer, say, hey, this is my problem. You know, what, what can we do? Da, da, da. He talks to me. Uh, first thing he wants is a contract. So we go to the contract. He reads through the contract. Da, 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 da. And he stands upon the points that were signed in the contract. Okay, the landlord did not do the outgoing inspection, so they can't claim for any of the damages that they accuse us of. Because that's what it says in the contract. Within three days of us leaving the premises, the landlord has to, jointly with the person who rented the property, has to do an outgoing inspection. That never took place. So, and then it says you're released from all what not not. So, you know, in these languages that contracts tend to be, uh, very complicated English, almost like uh, Fritz's favorite um, translation, the, the New King James. <laughs> but the reason I say this is because when things go wrong in terms of your rental contract or your, your work contract or an agreement you have with someone or other, when things go wrong, what do you fall back on? That which was agreed upon beforehand. That which was written in black and white. That which was covenanted. That which was agreed within the contract. And we need to do the same with our lives. Because we are faced so many times with the world, our flesh, our lives, our circumstances, the chaos of existing, of fleshly nature, trying to take over what God has put in us. We're confronted with these things daily. And if we do not rely on what has been promised beforehand, uh, we will stumble and we will fall. And the only way to come back is to look at the contract. And you need to put God before you. You need to put what Jesus has said before you. Um, Interestingly, the word reconciliation, it's, I used it particularly, I wanted to use this uh, 2 Corinthians because it speaks of reconciliation. 
Um, and obviously this reconciliation between God and, and, and us. And there's, in terms of the definition of the word reconciliation, it also comes up in accounting. Um, so some of you will know more than me about accounting. Um, I generally only see the, the statements once the person who knows what they're doing have, have completed the statements. But I do know that there are two sets of records. There are the bank statements, and then there are your financial records, like your invoices and your receipts and whatnot. And these things need to be reconciled. So, and I know how many people uh, struggle to reconcile these things on their own, and that's why they employ professionals to help them to do it for them. And you invest thousands in setting up systems so that you know, these things balance and that you don't lose uh, any of the information. And I know in tax season how much of a headache it can be for businesses and business people to, you know, have the things filed correctly and audited and, and all these sorts of things. But these things need to be reconciled. What it, that says is that what the one side says has to match what the other side says. And I want to use this picture as well for our lives. And what God, what God says needs to match up in our life. And I, I think this is what I'm trying to say. This is where it gets relevant is that it's generally very When you get saved, when there's that moment of salvation, when you believe for the first time, it's very easy to believe that all your sins have been forgiven because it's probably things that have happened in the past. It's easy to, it's easy to receive the forgiveness that God is is presenting to you. Ten years later, life has gone on, you know, we've been contaminated by the world. We, and the, uh, I think that the picture that, that comes to mind is that the disciples, when Jesus wanted to wash their feet, John 13, they had been walking and their feet were dirty. Um, and Jesus, you know, gets down to wash their feet and Peter is the one that jumps up and says, there's no way, Jesus, that you're going to be washing my feet. And then Peter says, well, I'm uh, sorry, Jesus says, I must wash your feet, otherwise you've got no part of me. And then Peter jumps on the other side. He says, okay, well then, wash everything, Lord. <laughs> wash my head and my hands. Uh, wash it all. And then Jesus' response in John 13. You can throw that up for me, really. Uh, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed, which is in this case, I think bath represents the image of the one who is saved, the one who has been born again, does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is, and I think the English grammar doesn't help us here, but it's he or she is completely clean, the person who is bathed. Just, um, and then obviously he's referring to Judas in the last line. Um, there's also in the tabernacle, in I didn't give this to you so you don't have to put this up, but Exodus 30 there's a basin for washing. Uh, so the priest daily, there would be a basin between the tent of meeting and the altar. And they would have to come before they minister, they, they would have to wash um, with water. This is again a, a picture of, you know, your sins have been cleansed. You may have been born again. But outwardly, or in the normal goings of life, your feet have gotten dirty. 
And we need to be washed daily by these things. And the only way that happens is by looking back at the cross, by looking at Jesus, um, by, by reconciling your experience with uh, the covenant that God has, has made for us. And, you know, these things that Ruan was mentioning um, last Sunday, he had wonderful adjectives and, a, you know, like de debilitating frustration, you know. Uh, I can't remember them all. You can go listen. And, uh, but frustration and anger, revenge, guilt, greed, envy, um, unforgiveness, all of these things, they start building up an account on this side. And now we need to reconcile this with the covenant that God has made for us. And if we do not deal with that, if we do not reconcile, this debt seems to build up so much that we start to doubt the forgiveness of God, that we start to doubt um, the contract that God has given us. Because this is our experience. That like us of so many royas, looks like we're in so much debt. Everything seems so overwhelming and, and burdensome. The smallest frustration explodes into you know, the, the biggest issues. And we start to doubt. Um, but as we start to look at the covenant, as we start to look back on the contract that God has, has made with us, um, we can begin to reconcile these things. And particularly... Um, what I wanted to focus on was the, the unforgiveness side of things is and it's very, you know, you don't have to think hard about somebody that you haven't forgiven. Like if I tell you now, think about some, you know, is there someone you haven't forgiven? You know, if there is, that name will probably pop up in your head pretty quickly. And it's not like you have to go do deep diving to find <laughs> You know, to find this deep and dark hidden person that's somewhere, somewhere, you know, along the line. That thing is quite present. It tends to come to the forefront of our lives. And it's very noticeable when you're in a conversation or in that person's presence. Um, and the only way to reach, the only way that I learned how to love was by being loved. I had to be loved by God before I could start to love you guys. Telling you, if God didn't love me, I would struggle to love you. I had to learn. I had to be taught how to be loved. Likewise, we have to be taught how to be forgiven. If you're struggling to forgive, it's most likely that you need to go back to the, the cross. Find forgiveness um, for yourself so that you can forgive others. Uh, my grandfather, uh, he passed recently. Um, and him and my stepdad never got along. Like, they clashed on a level, you know, the classic, like, there was a lot of argy-bargy and, I think, ego involved and whatnot, but my grandfather, um, he was a praying man, and, um, you know, he loved the Lord, um, he was very broken, but he, he knew what it, uh, the love of God was and the forgiveness and mercy of God. And, you know, every now and then, then, then he called me and he said, yo, here you are. Not, uh, <laughs> and then he'll start complaining. And, um, and everyone sort of knew that, you know, that there was this, the, these differences of opinion and character 
um, between, between the two. Um, but the one day, one day he came to me and he said, um, you know, if God loves Johan, then there's no reason for me not to love him. And that is big coming from my grandfather. <laughs> you know, this Craddock Boer, uh, you know, hardened, you know, by years of life. And he was a hard man, but, uh, you know, that just stood out to me. If, if God can forgive and love this man, then there's no reason for me to hold anything against him. Um, and it's so easy that we build up these things against one another, even in close relationships between husband and spouse. Um, you know, the debt starts piling up. It's thing upon thing upon thing. And if it's not settled, if it's not washed clean, if it's not balanced, um, it causes all sorts of havoc in our lives. And God wants us to deal with that thing. I don't know, Barry, Cassie, if you guys can come up and... In Hebrews uh, chapter 9, verse 26, it says for, okay, let's go back to 25 then, oh, 24. <laughs> let's read the whole Hebrews, why not? <laughs> okay, uh, so for Christ has entered, in, uh, talking about the, the tabernacle, the heavenly tabernacle. The, the true one, not the, the copy which was on earth. Uh, for Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer this is Jesus, repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I know, and, and here's, the, here's the balance that we have. We've got the covenant, we've got the contract. Jesus Christ has come once and for all Make a sacrifice so that our sins can be dealt with. And as we receive forgiveness for our sins, we are able to forgive others. So this we have, it's, it's always true. You can always believe that your sins have been forgiven. If you come to Christ and if you repent before Him, you can believe with 100% certainty that you are forgiven. Past, present, and believe it or not, future, God will forgive you as you come to Him for forgiveness. This is, there's no doubt, it's black and white. You can argue with the words in the Bible. You could try, but it's black and white. You won't be able to get past it. The meaning is clear. And then, on the other hand, we have how we go through our daily lives and we offend one another, we wrong one another, because we ourselves still human. And this is how we go through life. But God, because He has called us to be His children, wants us 
as we experience that forgiveness, to be loving and forgiving to one another. And uh, it's always going to be this tension of going back and forth. Okay, but now I've got a little bit of dust on my feet. doesn't mean that the contract is null and void. It just means that I need to remember. I need to be washed daily. Lord, help me to experience your washing today. Lord, help me to believe the forgiveness that you have for me today. So we have that moment. We are, we are born again. And then we have moments through our lives where, where we continually need to be washed. And I felt God highlighting our relationships this morning. And we're going to do one more song. And we're going to, uh, a couple of us will be in front. Or anyone really. But please, I want, if God highlights something to you. Um, and if you need someone to pray with you. Then do that this morning. Um, the three, I, I just written here, three types of people uh, that you need to forgive in your life. Number one, obviously, would be others. Um, so friends, family, colleagues. And, um, you know, that's quite easy. You can see them, they're right there. You know, you can go up to them, you can say, listen, I'm sorry for what I did, or, you know, you can deal with that thing in your heart. Um, another person that you might need to forgive is yourself. And sometimes we are so overwhelmed by our sin or our shortcoming that we struggle to forgive ourselves for what we have done. And again, in that space, you need to look at what, if God has forgiven you, the only way you're going to move forward is if you accept and receive that forgiveness and move on. And then lastly, um, sometimes life happens um, and we tend to blame God for the things that have happened. You know, losing a father or um, losing a family member, death or injustice or losing your job or, um, you know, just difficulty and suffering. And, and sometimes we tend to pl- blame God for these things. And it sounds wrong, but in essence, we need to get to a space where we, we, we don't blame God for that thing. You need to get to a space where you release God of that responsibility. And, um, and I believe that God has highlighted something to, to everyone this morning. Um, so let's respond to Him. So we're going to, if you have a song, you're welcome to sing it. But let's just take a moment. Um, you can stand, you can sit. But let's take a moment. God, if God has highlighted one thing, you need to deal with that thing with Him this morning. If you need someone to pray with you, you're welcome to ask someone to pray with you. So, yeah, Father, thank you, God, that you are consistent, Lord God. You are the same, Lord God. Lord, and you have created a reconciliation plan for our lives, Lord, between you and us, Lord God, that can, be never, that can never be doubted, Lord. God, and I pray that the reality of your covenant with us, Lord, your forgiveness of our sins, you reconciling us with yourself, Lord, would overflow, God, into our daily lives, Lord God, that as we are healed, Lord, spiritually, Lord God, that we would be able to walk in fullness and wellness with one another, Lord. 
In Jesus' name. Let's just all stand together. Let's just, as a, almost as a symbol, as a, as a, as a sign that we are standing upon the, the, the truth, upon the covenant that God has made with us. We're going to stand together. We're going to remember, and may it, may it flow over into our lives. May it, may it manifest in our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord.
Christ alone, 
You're the cornerstone of the weak made strong in the city. you Lord Jesus that because of your sacrifice we can we can boldly say the Lord bless you the Lord keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you grace amen have a lovely day and uh, please for those people who are first time visitors if you haven't received one of those visitors forms please just uh, get one there at the coffee shop and you can get a free cappuccino uh, they're one of the best in, in town, so enjoy it. You're the cornerstone, the weak means strong in the sea.